Did you know some travel credit cards offer 10x points on your spending? Don't miss out on big rewards for your next trip. NerdWallet lets you compare smart travel credit cards side by side, curated by an expert team of finance nerds. What could future you do with better travel rewards? A free flight? A room upgrade? Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. Reminder, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. In recent weeks, we've really focused on some ways that listeners can boost their income. Uh, So whether that's through starting your own side business and growing your network like Hala talked about, or when we talked with local realtor Alan about diving into investing in real estate, well... What better way to test the waters? While you are away, your home could also earn extra income. That's right. Your empty space could be an Airbnb while you're traveling, because that's all you need to become an Airbnb host. It's a lot easier than you think, and you don't need to Airbnb your entire house. You could just host your extra spare room. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. Supercharge your work decks with AI-powered Canva presentations. All you do is start with a prompt. You describe your, your presentation in a few words, and Canva presentations will generate captivating slides that you can then customize in seconds. Canva presentations are designed for every workplace and every department. Whether you work in sales, marketing, HR, ops, and more, Canva presentations can generate any deck you want for work. Sales decks, marketing presentations, onboarding plans, you name it. Any department can save time on any presentation with AI. Generate slides in seconds with Canva presentations at canva.com. Designed for work. Upswell Marketing would like to remind you that when customers choose your small business, they're really choosing you. So focus on super serving your existing customers and let Upswell handle the pipeline generation of new leads and customers. Upswell specializes in developing customized direct response campaigns and is now offering a no obligation free assessment of your current marketing strategies. Not to mention new customers also receive 15% off their first order when they mention that they heard about Upswell on this podcast. For more information, visit upswellmarketing.com. That's upswellmarketing.com. Welcome to How to Money. I'm Joel. And I'm Matt. And today, we're discussing everything you need to know about emergency funds. Oh, did I tell you about my uh, free water heater? No, please tell me. <laughs> Are you really interested? You don't, lo- you don't sound interested at I, all. I love free, and okay. I'm, I'm actually curious because <laughs> a, a water heater is kind it's of something a, we talked about on the asking for a discount episode. We talked about your electric water heater a couple years ago. That's right, yeah. asking for the discount on the install. All right, but so uh, but getting an actual free water heater. Yeah, man, free. It's electric as well. Uh, woogie, 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 woogie. <laughs> as soon as I said that, I was just like, <laughs> damn. It. I know. I knew you were going to say that. Yeah, electric high efficiency water heater. It's like six months old. Got that jank for free. So a plumber I know uh, that we've we've used him before. Basically, was ripping out, uh, redoing the plumbing on a on a renovation nearby, and they were just told to get rid of this water heater uh, and you know basically all the plumbing. And they were looking at it and they realized literally it was only six months old and they just felt so bad getting rid of it. So we thought of who might uh, would want a. Uh, who likes free stuff that I know? <laughs> the host of the Cheapo Podcast. Exactly. Long story short, thought of me, came by, dropped it off in my driveway for me. And yeah, That's literally. Service. Yes, I know. So literally, I wasn't even home. And I, got, I came home and there's like a, basically a brand new water heater sitting there waiting on me for me to use. And one of our properties coming up here pretty soon. 
Dude, I love it. Yeah, isn't that sweet? That's awesome. And guess who I'm going to call when it comes time to hook up all the hook up all the pipes? That guy. Yeah, exactly. So, dude, win win. He's he's happy. Plus, they do awesome work. So yeah, man, pretty sweet deal, huh? You jealous? Uh, yeah. So <laughs> th- just putting this out there. Believe me, I know you get plenty of deals that I don't get to partake in. So. Well, if there are any plumbers out there that want to give me any water heaters, <laughs> I'm certainly open to it. I welcome free stuff on my on my doorstep. Yeah. Speaking of free stuff, we're going to our neighborhood beer fest this yeah, weekend. Yeah, man. I'm so stoked. Dude, it's pretty much the best weekend, one of the best weekends of the year. I'm so excited about it. And I think this is my seventh year doing it. Really? Yeah. And you're an old man. I know. <laughs> the great thing about our neighborhood beer fest is that we volunteer, right? And so every year... You and I, we pour beer for the patrons, the people that actually pay money to, to go to our neighborhood beer festival. The best things are that we raise a ton of money for our neighborhood, right? For our neighborhood organization, which is then able to deploy yeah. it in ways to beautify the neighborhood. And Exactly. Yeah, the beer fest falls under the nonprofit. And so the nonprofit uh, supports the local neighborhood organizations. And I'm pretty sure one of the recent emails they sent out said they've raised over a million dollars in the past 10 years. That's incredible. Yeah, <laughs> which is huge for a nonprofit, especially... A nonprofit where the majority where the majority of their funds are coming from people drinking beer, making the world a better place, man. Yeah, it's and awesome. And so, and the other beautiful thing is, you and I get to drink beer for free all day. Yeah, which is awesome because if you're pouring beer, you you still get to take a little on the side, take some take some sips, and so that's really fun to get to taste some beers. A good way to try a lot of new beers. Yeah, some some ones that we've had before too. Yeah, so. Uh, if you guys follow us on Untapped, you might see that we blow it up <laughs> at, at the Beer Fest uh, this weekend. Oh, and so, Matt, I'm also really pumped because we ordered some koozies to distribute there. Oh, yeah. With our logo on it. I'm really pumped to hand those out and kind of let people know what we're, what we're doing here over at Pour Not Pour. You know, a lot of different neighborhoods have Beer Fest now as well. And so that's the other thing, too. Consider volunteering your own local Beer Fest instead of forking out the money and coming over and seeing us, which would, you know, that'd be awesome. Consider pouring and volunteering with your own local beer fest. Yeah. And the great thing is it's a blast. It's a fun day. It supports the neighborhood. And on top of that, you save some money to drink beer. Speaking of drinking beer, today on the show, we're drinking a beer by Avery Brewing Company out of Boulder, Colorado. A really, really, really good brewery. You already know Colorado makes awesome beers and Avery is one of the best producers even in the state. And today we're drinking a beer called Lilikoi Capolo. And it's a Belgian-style white ale brewed with spices and passion fruit. Yeah, man, that's pouring that nice kind of cloudy gold, almost like a little bit of ruby kind of color there to it. Yeah, and it's a nice, pretty. Like, nice ruby and orange. It's got like, kind, of like, kind of a grapefruit look to it. Yeah, yeah. It's got that fade. So I've had this bef- like once or twice before. You love this beer. I love this beer. I am curious to taste it again because the last time I had it, I was like, ah, I don't know about this guy. It comes in six packs. And you can get this because Avery's distributed in most states now, I think. So you can probably find this in your local package store. Uh, I love the passion fruit. It almost has kind of a smoothie-ish kind of vibe to it with the with the passion fruit kind of blended up in there. It's tropical, tart, uh, juicy, and delicious. You know, it does taste a little better than I remember it. It does have those tropical fruits. It kind of makes me think of like a little tropical fruit cup. You know, like a, oh, yeah. as, as a kid, you know, you know what I'm talking about? Most, oh, totally. Yeah. You feel that? Yeah. Like one of the, like the dull pineapple cup thingies. Yeah. Yeah. A little bit of the sugar. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, certainly this isn't crazy sweet like that, but it's got like the token cherry, like just like that one cherry that you're allowed to have in it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it kind of tastes like sliced pineapples that you kind of get as well. Yeah. It's totally got the pineapple okay. vibe. Got a lot of throwback flavors from my childhood. <laughs> I love the can too. It's a cool color blue with a tiki man on the front. This is... 
a great summer beer because yeah, oh yeah it's light it's refreshing it's easy to find what's the abv on this 5.4 oh easy yeah you can drink a couple i i totally recommend the avery brewing company lilikoi capolo dang tasty what's up with the tiki man i feel like tiki bars and sort of tiki theme is making a comeback oh heck yeah you think you've noticed that love me a good tiki bar man I think in general, themed restaurants might kind of make a comeback. From Was that like the 70s or the 80s where there's like the themed restaurants? Yes, and I hope they do. <laughs> themed restaurants kind of, are so fun. Yeah, it's like right up your alley. Yeah. Did you go to Medieval Times as a kid or like in middle school? I, my parents <laughs> totally took me to Medieval Times and... Oh, in the Dixie Stampede. Yeah, yeah Dixie Stampede. <laughs> in like near Dollywood in Tennessee. The rhinestone cowboy jumpsuits riding around on the horses. <laughs> I, dis- I distinctly remember chasing chickens on <laughs> on the dirt floor in front of a giant crowd. What? With my sisters. Yeah, when we were young at the Dixie Stampede. So, so the, what you saying that makes me picture your children chasing after chickens. <laughs> <laughs> and like when you said that, I immediately pictured your girls, not you as a child. Picture. And we're so awkward, <laughs> and my girls included. And, and so I, I would imagine they would fall face Come first. Come here, chicken. Almost immediately. So yeah, it was fun. All right, Matt. Topic we're tackling today. Everything you need to know about emergency funds. Yes. Emergency funds. This is something we talked about briefly when we did the budgets episode forever ago now. Um, But we decided it's time to do an entire episode on emergency funds because they're just so clutch. They don't get nearly the the, the attention I I think that they need and that they deserve. And so that's why we're going to spend an entire episode. We're going to talk about how to get started on your own if you don't currently have one. And uh, yeah, hopefully by the end of this, if you don't already have an emergency fund, you'll be well on your way to getting yours set up and running. Yeah. And first, really, there's a huge problem in the United States. Stats bear out that the majority of Americans couldn't get their hands on $3,000 cash if they had a big car repair that they needed to put money towards. And a lot of Americans also couldn't even come up with $500 cash in the case of a minor emergency. And we live in the, one of the richest countries in the world. And those facts are kind of startling when it comes down to it, that most people are completely unprepared for an emergency. And that's a huge part of the reason that, that this episode and, and what we're going to talk about here with emergency funds is crucial. Yeah, man. And I mean, the problem is then is if you don't have an emergency fund set up and you're, you face an emergency, well, you're probably going to have to put that expense on a credit card. And that obviously leads to a downward cycle because then you're making payments on that. And then all of a sudden, something that may have only cost 750 bucks in like car repair costs is now costing you, you know, a thousand bucks, 1200 bucks over, over time. Yeah. And in large swaths of America, that's what title loan places do. Oh, and, yeah. and payday lenders, they take advantage of people that are in emergency situations and don't have access to any amount of cash really to get out of it and can't wait till payday. And so there are a lot of people living their lives on the margins. And it's not just people living in poverty, but there are a huge portion of Americans making good money, right? And there was a New York Times article that you and I both read. Oh, yeah. About a successful dude who had published books and was yeah, still was an author. <laughs> living paycheck to paycheck and could not seem to get ahead financially. And just because you have a big income, if you're spending just as much or more than you make, you're still living paycheck to paycheck. Yeah. You just live from bigger paycheck to bigger paycheck. (laughs) So this is a problem across all income levels in America. We spend more than we make and our emergency funds are nil. And it leads not only to financial hardship, but then emotional and marital and relational stress in our lives. Yeah. It stresses you out, man. Obviously, we're talking about this from a financial angle, right? We don't have enough margin. We don't have enough cushion in our life. 
not only that though, I feel like we just don't have enough margin in our lives when it comes to time and like the amount of time that we have for other people and those around us in need, just situations where it might take us out of our usual, you know, get up, go to work, make money, come home or spend money on the way home <laughs> and then go to sleep and, you know, rinse and repeat. That might be a topic for another episode, but yeah. I don't know. That's just something I wanted to mention. Yeah, but hopefully while we're discussing the financial aspects of having an emergency fund and what that does to your life, think about too where your time goes. And oh, yeah. can you build essentially reservoirs of time that as opposed to go, 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 you know, busy, 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 uh, creating those reservoirs of time is crucial. And yeah, this podcast, right? We're all about saving money, but we're also about living mindfully. And I think it's just a really important thing to discuss. And not many people are discussing that. Like, yeah, it goes hand in hand, right? Yeah, we prop up busyness and uh, and getting stuff done. And you know, I'm all about working hard, but there's a downside to the way our culture treats work and the idea of busyness in general. Yeah. Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. They are committed to high ethical standards and even had to pass a rigorous exam before they could become a CFP professional. They offer financial planning and services that take a more comprehensive view of your financial and personal circumstances and are customized for your needs. Certified financial planner professionals can offer advice on a wide range of issues like reviewing your investment portfolio's allocation, handling an inheritance, rolling over a company retirement plan, building education savings, and so much more. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org. I'm guessing that a lot of listeners are starting to solidify their summer travel plans. We always like to get the families together, Matt, for a week yeah, at the we beach do. every single summer. We've already got that trip to St. Simons on the calendar. Pumped for that. But sometimes those vacations get expensive. So what better way to offset some of those costs than to have your home earning some money while you're away? That's right. Why let it sit empty when it could be earning extra income? It's the financially smart thing to do. So think it through. Maybe you've got some extra space in your home, or maybe you have an entire house to host. Or maybe you're just going on vacation and your home is sitting empty. In every case, you can Airbnb it. You already have the space, so it won't be a huge adjustment. I mean, the way I see it, if you're not using your space, you have two options. You can let it just sit there empty, or you do some optimizing and make some money off it. Really, if you think about it, you already have an Airbnb. You just need to start using it. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. And now a word from the show's sponsors at Betterment. Do you want your money to dream big? Do you want your money to be a total self-starter? Are you annoyed that your money doesn't work hard enough? Don't worry. Betterment is here to help. Betterment is the automated investing and savings app that makes your money hustle. Their automated technology is built to help maximize returns, meaning when you invest with Betterment, your money can auto-adjust as you get closer to your goal. Rebalance if your portfolio gets too far out of line and your dividends are automatically reinvested. That can increase the potential for compound returns. In other words, your money is breaking a sweat while you can be breaking bread. You'll never picture your money the same way again. Betterment, the automated investing and savings app that makes your money hustle. Visit Betterment.com to get started. Investing involves risk. Performance is not guaranteed. Let's say you've been listening to the podcast and now you're finally ready to start implementing some of the uh, the financial morsels that we're dishing up. Maybe you are trying to save up some more money for a down payment on a house, or maybe there's a big vacation that you have been dying to take. Well, the Money App 
Monarch. They make it so easy to help you to reach your financial goals. That's why the Wall Street Journal, they named it the best app for growing your savings. Monarch is the top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. Create custom budgets, track progress toward financial goals, collaborate with your partner even. And now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash howtomoney. And you won't get spammed either. Monarch features ad-free privacy you can trust. They will never sell your data to third parties or show you ads. That's right, man. And after trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it's the top-rated personal finance app. It just makes sense. It works. And right now, listeners of this show will get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash howtomoney. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash howtomoney for your extended 30-day free trial. Go to monarchmoney.com slash howtomoney for an extended 30-day free trial. So obviously, I mean, what we're going to talk about is the emergency fund. So Joel, do you have an emergency fund? I sure do, man. Do you remember always having an emergency fund? I remember always prioritizing savings. Right. And so always building the savings up and I didn't always call it an emergency fund, you know, when I was in my early twenties, but I was always building my savings level. So I was always prioritizing putting money in my savings account every month and watching it grow. I just wasn't calling it an emergency fund at that point in time. Yeah, that was kind of my approach. Honestly, that's basically what I did up until I became like a Dave Ramsey junkie. <laughs> when I was like in my early in my early years, you're like shooting them into your veins. What are you doing? Yeah, basically, that's weird, man. Uh, early on, yeah, I was, I was pretty hardcore, and that's when I was like, "No, it's called an emergency fund. <laughs> this is what we're calling it, and it's got to be, you know, this exact length. It must be this exact dollar amount, and you know, all the rules associated with sort of his approach to things." And and you've kind of calmed down on that a little bit now, and 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 I think that's why yeah. this yeah, is yeah. interesting too, because I think there are some hardcore personal finance people that would be like, this is what you need to have. And and I think there's some good rules of thumb in what they're saying. But I think there's also a lot of caveats that will that will hit in this episode as well. Yes. Yeah. There's a lot of room for flexibility. Uh, and a lot of it depends on the individual. It depends on sort of their life stage, where they are in life, and overall how sort of financially prepared they are for financial events in their life. So quick tip to people that don't have one at all right now. And they do find themselves in that boat that Oh man, if my transmission went out tomorrow or if I lost my job next week, I have no idea where I'm going to get money. I'm going to be using high interest rate debt, right? I'm going to be going to the payday lender or using my using credit card, tapping yeah. my credit card, right? Really for people like that, their first goal, the necessity right now is to start saving little by little and accruing an emergency fund of 500 to $1,000. That's a goal that's that's feasible, that's reachable if you have income, and, and that's ultimately the first goal that needs to be set. Reaching a level like that, where at least you could meet some sort of financial distress without having to tap into some sort of high interest rate revolving debt, that's a really good first goal to have in mind. Yeah. If you don't hear anything else, just go do that. Like, If you got to cut the episode off now, go ahead and just make sure you write that down. And yeah, I No, agree. wait. I have lots more to say. <laughs> and we, yeah, we'll say it. We're, there's a lot more to cover because it varies. But, but yeah, that's, that's the first thing. So Most definitely. So Joel, first off, so essentially, what is an emergency fund? So an emergency fund is essentially a savings account that's separate money, only used for major financial emergencies. And typically, the amount that you would want stored in an emergency fund would be three to six months of your core expenses. And ultimately, what that means is, let's say you did lose your job, you could pay the mortgage, you could put food on the table, you could keep the lights on for three to six months while you're looking for work. 
Yeah. So what's important to point out there, though, is that that's like the emergency, right? So what the emergency was in that situation wasn't paying for groceries. It was the job loss <laughs> right, to cover the regular expenses. In some other situations where it might call for the emergency fund, right? Say you've got a higher deductible on your car insurance, which we would recommend uh, to keep your monthly expenses down because it's not likely that you're going to get in an accident. But if you do and you have a higher deductible, say a thousand bucks is totally reasonable to have. You're going to need to find a thousand bucks to put towards your vehicle if you, you know, if it's totaled. Yeah, and and you'll save big money every year by having a higher deductible on your homeowner's insurance. And hopefully, you know, the goal is never to have to use it. But if a tree falls on the corner of your house, causes major damage, and you know, goes through the bathroom, and you gotta you gotta have a new roof put on and a whole new bathroom uh, installed, then five thousand dollar deductible is. That's a lot of money, man. That's, that's an emergency right there, <laughs> yeah. right? And so a, an emergency fund is great for something like that, whether it's a, a small fix that you that you can do yourself without insurance or whether it's just a high deductible that you have to meet. Having that emergency fund for situations like that of these extenuating circumstances that you know can happen but are unlikely and you're hoping and praying don't happen, I mean, that's exactly what the emergency fund is for. The things that you want to stay away from, the, what an emergency fund is not for it's not for putting new tires on your car. Right. It's not for routine bills. It's it's not for paying for groceries when you currently are employed, right? So the emergency fund, you want to kind of keep that separate and you don't want to use it for some of these things that you really should be budgeting for. Yes. It's for yeah. that unexpected, really. Yeah, all those things you should be budgeting for. There's things, even if it happens not even just once a year, but say once every few years, there are certain expenses that you just need to be looking ahead to and planning not only every year how much to set aside for it, but literally every month to break that down and to know how much you need to set aside. I mean, that's that's what it takes. That's what it takes planning. That way, when the bill comes due, you're prepared. And it's not an emergency at that point because it's something that you can plan on. All right. And so by the very definition of emergency, it's an urgent need, right? And so emergency funds do need to be accessible and fairly liquid. So if that's the case, Matt, that means that your emergency fund, and we'll get into some caveats later, but that it should probably be in a savings account, earning a decent rate of interest, and preferably even a savings account that is separate from the one that you normally use. Yeah, man. So for us, we actually have our emergency fund set aside in our savings account. So currently, we have most of our money in Ally Bank, where we have our sort of day-to-day expenses, monthly expenses come out of our checking account, but then our actual emergency fund chunk is sitting there in the savings account because that's where we're earning the high interest rate. Yeah. And hopefully your emergency fund is going to be a decent chunk. And so you do want to find a high interest rate of savings. That's the best place to store it. Uh, You definitely don't want to put an emergency fund in a 401k, right? Because uh, then you're subject to the whims of the stock market and it's not liquid cash. You want to have it in a bank account. And by the way, I recently opened a new account with a bank called CIT and they pay a lot more than what my bank Capital One was paying. And so I went from 1% to 1.7. And so yeah, for a large chunk of of change, right? Earning a little bit more every month is where it's at. And there's an article on on the website just kind of comparing and talking about my experience switching if you want to check that out. So that being said too, if you're just more of a nerd... It's not necessary that you have your emergency fund in a completely separate account. If you're able to create a floor, you know, or like a blind that you never kind of dip down into, I mean, that's your emergency fund. It doesn't necessarily have to be a completely separate thing because a lot of times it just gets complicated. And so, and that's the last thing we want is for you listeners to not do this because you're like, oh, I don't want to have to open up another account. I'm just happy with whoever I have. <laughs> yeah. And I, I completely agree. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. That's kind of yeah. how I approach it. I kind of keep everything in the same fund. I think it's 
important probably for a lot of people to have a second fund. Just it, it helps mentally, but more, more barriers and yeah. sort of walls. Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, it's like kind of untouchable or whatever. But for people that, you know, do have like their financial act together, uh, creating a separate account certainly isn't necessary. And just knowing that there's a floor that you don't go beneath is like a really helpful way of doing it. Cool. So that's the first thing. Consider opening a separate account. Or if you know that you're an ultra nerd, create that blind, start socking that money away that you know you're not going to touch. Yeah. The next thing to do is, let's say you don't have one or you're kind of a noob, right? At, at starting this emergency fund. Well, first know that anybody can do it. And then we'll kind of give you a couple tips to get started. My favorite way to actually big time jumpstart, electrify your emergency fund is to use a tax refund to do that. And so a lot of people probably just recently got their tax refunds. We talked about in an earlier episode what to do with a tax refund. And that was one of the things we mentioned. Using that refund to jumpstart your emergency savings is an awesome way to handle that money. So if you have yours still lingering around, you haven't blown it all on you know, fancy craft beer or a trip to Fiji, uh, consider putting some of that money aside into an emergency fund. Save for the future, save for a rainy day, create some of that margin in your life and reduce some of that stress that comes along and the stress and headaches that come along with not having an emergency fund set up. Yeah, I see no better way to spend that tax refund than to relieve stress. You know, what better way than just to simplify things and to just take stuff off of your mind that you don't have to worry about nearly as much. Yeah. I mean, if you've got your financial act together, an infusion of cash, like a tax refund can be used for a lot of great things. Uh, but if you don't and your emergency funds starved right now, that's the perfect place to put that chunk of money. And another thing to consider, consider selling some things. Maybe have an eBay night at your house and list a bunch of stuff that you don't need anymore and that you think is valuable to others. Maybe a yard sale on a Saturday in your neighborhood or a side gig for just a few months. Whatever it takes really to kind of bolster that and give you a little bit of a financial cushion, it's worth it to do a little bit of extra work in order to kind of create that margin in your life. You know, Living life where you have no idea what you would do if an emergency popped up tomorrow, that's just a hard way to live. And so those are just a few ideas to kind of help you maybe get started and prepare yourself for that potential emergency. Yeah. So the reason it's good to sort of jumpstart it, right, is that it's just hard work. It can take a long time to get even that $500 to $1,000 set up, set aside. Uh, but even longer, I mean, if you're looking at three to six months worth of living expenses, that really can take a long time. So it's especially helpful if you can, like you said, get that sort of infusion uh, tax refund's great for that. It's not free money, but it kind of feels like free money. And if you can just take that and apply apply that towards your emergency fund, any way to sort of jumpstart that and get the ball rolling to where you can kind of pile on top of that. Because even if you're setting aside $100 a week, I mean, you're looking at a little over 5200 bucks for the year. And for some folks, that's only a month or two worth of living expenses, you know? Like that doesn't get you very far. And $100 a week is really tough. <laughs> so yeah, being able to kind of jumpstart it like that, it's, it's going to be huge. Yeah. I mean, I think sometimes hearing the financial experts say, you need six months of an emergency fund. For most folks, they they hear that. I think they tune out just because that's that seems like an insurmountable goal. It's a huge amount of money for a lot of it's folks. A, it's yeah. a tough thing. Like For dudes like us that have our financial act together, six months just feels like right this big daunting thing. Like How long would it take us you know, from scratch right now to save up six months of our income? And And I think a lot of people tune that out. And so... That's why I want to encourage people just to start small. You know, take a step in the right direction. Start saving $25 a week. Whatever it takes, like figure out how you can do that, what you can cut out of your life 
make sure that if you've spent the one for this year, like, that you save next year's tax refund, wh- whatever it takes, you want to start somewhere. Because if you just hear that six month mark and you say, screw that, that's not possible for me. And you decide to scrap the emergency fund altogether. Well, ultimately, in the end, that's just going to cause you more stress every month. And when the emergency does come along, dude, that's going to be really hard to stomach. And it's going to hurt you even more in the long run. Yeah, man. So let's talk about then how much to set aside, right? We talked about the three to six months. That's sort of a general guideline that we hear a lot. I think the biggest thing that people need to do is consider their life stage. Somebody that's straight out of college, that doesn't have a lot of responsibilities, that doesn't have a a lot of, say, assets or things that they need to keep up with. Chances are they don't need quite as much money set aside. Yeah. And let's say they can move home with mom and dad at a moment's notice if something happens, right? They, they kind of have a fallback plan. Yeah, uh, exactly. So, something like that means, you know what? You can point your money a little more towards your 401k or investing than straight up just saving for a rainy day. And while that's still important to do, just because of that specific life stage, you can afford for that to be less of a priority. Yeah, there's just less pressure on you, right? Like you don't, if you don't have kids, you don't have a, a, a spouse, if you don't have a home where, where there's things that you need to fix or replace... There's just less pressure on you financially. And you look at that from the other side of the coin. Say you're like us, you know, we, we've got houses, we've got a family, we've got kids, we've got vehicles. There's a lot that can break. <laughs> There's a lot that can you know, go wrong and things that might need to be repaired. Like your car or a kid's arm. Exactly. Both can break. Uh, <laughs> both of those things will cost money. Uh, when you're spread out like that, it's helpful to have, I think, maybe more set aside. Essentially, the more responsibility you have, I think you might need to look at maybe considering being closer to that six month worth of expenses set aside. That's still a lot of money. And you also want to consider how much of a like safety net you want to sort of create for yourself. Because essentially, that's what this is. You're, you're sort of setting this thing up uh, in case something were to happen. Yeah, hey, I think another important consideration is, are you a dual income household or a single income yeah, household? So if you are the only worker in your home, there is definitely a higher necessity for having an emergency fund. If you're a two income household and one of you loses your job and you can still pay the basic necessities on that one income, creating an emergency fund is still a really good idea, but not nearly as as much of a necessity. And so another option to consider too is once you essentially have like a portfolio built up and specifically you've been contributing to a Roth IRA, that's something you can draw on. You can withdraw contributions to your Roth IRA without penalty, without paying tax. And that's something that you can sort of draw on, like you kind of tap that in case uh, there's emergencies. So I, I wouldn't use that completely and solely as like your emergency fund, but to be able to know that that's sort of there as a backup provides some peace of mind as well. I agree. If you've been investing in a Roth IRA up to the limit for the last 8, 10, 12 years, and you've built up a sizable amount in there, I think it's okay to carry a much smaller emergency fund of, let's say, one month's expenses. Because let's say the... Let's Dude, say one month is kind of lean. It is lean. Yeah. But but let's say, you know, something does happen, a job loss or, you know, which is probably, you know, one of the most difficult things that can happen or, right. or a huge medical issue. If you have six figures in a Roth IRA, you of course can still only withdraw the the money that you've contributed over the years. But if you've been maxing that out over a decade, that's over fifty thousand dollars that you have access to that you can pull out tax and penalty free. And that essentially works as a really nice emergency fund. And so you can have less of your money sitting there in a savings account earning less than 2% and hopefully working for you for the long run, especially if you're in a two income household and you have substantial investments built up in something like a Roth where it is partially liquid in that way. 
I think it's completely reasonable to have only one month of emergency fund in an actual savings account and put most of your money there. And so I don't know what percentage of our listeners are in a position like that, but I think that's something to strive for as well, that over time, as your investments build up, as you're maxing out a Roth and contributing to your retirement in that way, that you know what? You don't necessarily have to, when you're 45, 50 years old and you get this substantial amount built up, that you still have to have six months of your expenses in a savings account. Yeah, that's worth considering, man. So my biggest concern with that is pulling like the potential of pulling that money out if you need it. Obviously, yes, only during an emergency. But if you pull that out during a downturn in the market, you're losing money essentially at that point because you're pulling money out of the market that instead, if you, you know, were you to leave in, would turn around and, and continue growing down the road. Yeah. And that's why I think the Roth IRA strategy is really important to consider only if you are financially stable, only if you have your financial ducks in a row. If you have been investing in a Roth IRA up to the, you know, up to or close to the max for at least a decade to where you've really built up a substantial amount of savings in there where you would only need to tap a small portion of it. And then also it's best suited for people that probably live in a dual income household where let's say they were to lose one income, they wouldn't need to tap the emergency fund right away. So it's this good strategy. It's this good reserve to have. And to know that's there so that you can have more of your money working for you as opposed to just in traditional savings that isn't earning all that much right now. But you certainly don't want to put all your eggs in that basket and making sure that it's almost like a secondary emergency, right? So right. so if you are a dual income family, you lose one job, it has to almost be another emergency on top of that that forces you to tap into that. So that that's where I think the Roth IRA can pl- come in and you can actually hopefully over the long term earn more on your emergency fund in a Roth. And again, that's not in exclusion to a savings account with an emergency fund in it. But I think at that point, if you've been doing it over the long term, you can really consider having a smaller amount in a savings account, probably more like one to two months of expenses in a savings account, as opposed to that traditional three to six number that the personal finance people throw around. So I'll mention too that having invested, I guess, for that 10-year period, you're also investing at ups and downs in the market. So essentially, you get a kind of dollar cost average over that entire period. So you're not only going in at the bottom or only going into the top. It's not a huge deal because you're you're averaging out all of your investment purchases. And that's something you want to see as well. Because yeah, if you were just to go in all at once, if if you were even able to <laughs> with, with, you know, with your Roth, it could be more detrimental were you to pull it all out at a single point in time. Yeah, I agree. And to say one more time, it is an emergency fund, right? So your goal is to never tap it. And if you are in a strong financial position, a Roth can be a great kind of side plan so that you don't have to have quite as much in just traditional savings. But ultimately, your goal is to never, ever, ever tap that money and just let it grow tax-free for retirement. It's this emergency fund that you hope you never have to use and you desperately try to never tap. Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. They are committed to high ethical standards and even had to pass a rigorous exam before they could become a CFP professional. 
They offer financial planning and services that take a more comprehensive view of your financial and personal circumstances and are customized for your needs. Certified financial planner professionals can offer advice on a wide range of issues like reviewing your investment portfolio's allocation, handling an inheritance, rolling over a company retirement plan, building education savings, and so much more. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org. I'm guessing that a lot of listeners are starting to solidify their summer travel plans. We always like to get the families together, Matt, for a week at the beach every single summer. We've already got that trip to St. Simons on the calendar. Pumped for that. But sometimes those vacations get expensive. So what better way to offset some of those costs than to have your home earning some money while you're away? That's right. Why let it sit empty when it could be earning extra income? It's the financially smart thing to do. So think it through. Maybe you've got some extra space in your home, or maybe you have an entire house to host. Or maybe you're just going on vacation and your home is sitting empty. In every case, you can Airbnb it. You already have the space, so it won't be a huge adjustment. I mean, the way I see it, if you're not using your space, you have two options. You can let it just sit there empty, or you do some optimizing and make some money off it. Really, if you think about it, you already have an Airbnb. You just need to start using it. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. Let's say you've been listening to the podcast and now you're finally ready to start implementing some of the uh, the financial morsels that we're dishing up. Maybe you are trying to save up some more money for a down payment on a house, or maybe there's a big vacation that you have been dying to take. Well, the money app Monarch, they make it so easy to help you to reach your financial goals. That's why the Wall Street Journal, they named it the best app for growing your savings. Monarch is the top rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. Create custom budgets, track progress toward financial goals, collaborate with your partner even. And now get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash howtomoney. And you won't get spammed either. Monarch features ad-free privacy you can trust. They will never sell your data to third parties or show you ads. That's right, man. And after trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it's the top-rated personal finance app. It just makes sense. It works. And right now, listeners of this show will get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash howtomoney. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash howtomoney. For your extended 30-day free trial, go to monarchmoney.com slash howtomoney for an extended 30-day free trial. Spring cleaning is kind of an annual rite of passage. We've all got to do it, minimize the junk that we have in our house. Emily and I, we just cleaned our closets out. It took hours, but it was so worth it. Now we've only got stuff in there that we love, and it's easier to find everything too. And so, you know, while cleaning your closets is helpful, well, there's something else you can do for your family this spring. Shopping for life insurance with Policy Genius, for example, is a really important part of your financial planning for the year. That's right. Yeah. And here is the thing that's important to remember because you might be thinking you don't need to check out Policy Genius because you've got a policy through work. But even if you have a life insurance policy through your job, it may not offer you enough protection for your family's needs. And it may not follow you if you leave your job. With Policy Genius, you can find life insurance policies that start at just $292 per year for $1 million of coverage. Some options offer same day approval and avoid unnecessary medical exams. Policy Genius works for you, not the insurance companies, and that means they don't have an incentive to recommend one insurer over another, so you can trust their guidance. Save time and money and provide your family with a financial safety net using Policy Genius. Head to policygenius.com to get your free life insurance quotes and see how much you could save. That's policygenius.com. 
Okay, man. So those are a lot of the steps on like what to do, right? So how to basically create your emergency fund. A question that kind of comes up often is when do I fully fund that emergency fund? Like when do I start really setting aside the money and creating that chunk of money? Specifically, do I do that before I pay off debt? And the answer to that, I think, comes down to what kind of debt it is. And so if you're looking at something that is a higher interest rate, like specifically uh, credit cards or you know something maybe worse, like a payday loan or something like that, you 100% want to pay that off first. So let's say you've got $10,000 in your savings account and you've got a credit card at a 22% interest rate. Well, I don't want to deplete my emergency fund, but here's the thing. You put that $10,000 to paying off your 22% interest rate debt. Well, if a $2,000 emergency comes along, well, it sucks, but you use the credit card that you already had money on, right? Like that you already had a balance on. It's just a smaller balance at that point. So while you never want to have to put money on a credit card in case of an emergency, it only makes sense that you would eliminate debt that's at an incredibly high rate of interest before you really start putting money away in your emergency fund. And keep in mind too, that we're talking about high interest rate products here. We're not talking about your mortgage that has a nice 30 year fixed rates. And we're not talking about low interest rate car loans. Hopefully you don't have a car loan, uh, but if you already do, that's not, that's not what we're talking about. If you've got something that's uh, in the single digits, something that's close to five or 6%, that's not terrible. And so you definitely wanna pay off balances that have rates above that. But otherwise the emergency fund, that's your priority. That's what you wanna focus on building up. Uh, at the very least, like we said earlier, that 500 to a thousand bucks, but ultimately you want to consider more than that. You know, you want to consider one, two, three, if you like to be a little more conservative, like we're even six months, that might be the point at which you feel comfortable. And if that's the case, then that's fine. That's great. Uh, you're going to be well prepared for, for any potential financial hardships that come along. Just because you heard us say six months doesn't mean that you shouldn't start at all because it seems like too big, too lofty of a goal. That's why we're kind of trying to show you these tiers that exist and you don't have to do it all at once. You don't have to do it all within a, a year's time, but attempt first to get the 500 and then the thousand and then the one month of your expenses. Just because you can't get to six months in a short period of time doesn't mean you shouldn't start at all. Yeah. This isn't something that's going to happen overnight. You know, this is something that might take a year or even two years to kind of get to the point at which you feel comfortable. And again, this is personal finance. So this varies from person to person. It varies from family to family. It's something that you might need to talk about with your spouse or your significant other. It's going to vary. And it's just, it's up to you to decide at what point you feel comfortable. But ultimately the major goal is to create some margin in your life. There are so many people living on the edge with no access to almost any emergency fund at all. And the slightest hardship comes along and they don't know what to do. And so an emergency fund is really important for dealing with those emergencies that pop up. But even more than that, for eliminating stress in your life, having a little bit of cash in the bank that's sitting there and that you know can help you should something arise, man, that provides a lot of peace of mind. And peace of mind isn't really something that money can buy. But in this regard, when it comes to emergency funds, boy, having that small chunk at least, that base, really can alleviate a lot of that financial stress that the majority of Americans feel. Okay, man, beer time. I do like this better than the first time I had it. It's still not like my favorite. I think if I'm going to have a Belgian like this, I either want it kind of nice and white, just real clean and fresh without the, the sort of the, the fruit flavors added to it. Or like the Curio, like we had last week, if it was barrel aged, where it adds like a layer of richness and complexity to it. I think I'm more into that 
I was hoping I could convert you today to loving this beer as much as I do. But you know what? It wasn't in the cards. Yeah. Yeah, man, I'm not knocking this at all. I do like this beer. I will drink this 100% at the beach. You know, it's, it's that kind of beer. Just not my, my kind of like my everyday go-to. I feel you. Well, Lilikoi Capolo from Avery Brewing Company. Apparently, there are mixed reviews on Pour Not Pour. <laughs> All right, man, let's wrap this up. Let's do a quick recap. The biggest reason why an emergency fund is necessary is because we have very little financial margin in our lives. Most people live paycheck to paycheck. And when that's the case, literally once that paycheck stops, you have an entire month of expenses coming up that you are not prepared for. Yeah, so you might need to start small. Saving up just $500 or $1,000 in the beginning can really help alleviate some of that pressure. Don't let that three to six month figure throw you and keep you from starting an emergency fund at all. Even though that's a good goal to have over the long term, know that it takes time. Yeah. What's important to keep in mind is that this is a personal decision, right? It's going to vary from person to person and it just depends on what dollar amount you feel comfortable having in the bank, sitting there ready to go where there to be an emergency. Yeah. So the biggest thing is to make sure that you don't have it with one of the big banks. We're talking specifically about Wells Fargo, Bank of America, Chase, the guys that don't pay anything, that's not where you want your emergency fund. Hopefully it's a big chunk of money that you're setting aside over time and you want it actually to be earning something for you. And at yeah. the big banks, it's 0.01% interest. Which insane. Which is pennies yeah. <laughs> every month. Yeah. The banks that we use currently, we're earning close to 2% you know, these days, which is awesome. All right, Matt, that's it for emergency funds. Our home on the web is howtomoney.com. As always, we'll have show notes up there for you for this episode. Cheers, buddy. Yeah, man. Best friends out. Best friends out. Upswell Marketing would like to remind you that when customers choose your small business, they're really choosing you. So focus on super serving your existing customers and let Upswell handle the pipeline generation of new leads and customers. Upswell specializes in developing customized direct response campaigns and is now offering a no obligation free assessment of your current marketing strategies. Not to mention new customers also receive 15% off their first order when they mention that they heard about Upswell on this podcast. For more information, visit upswellmarketing.com. That's upswellmarketing.com. It's brand new season two. I'm Marissa Thalberg. And I'm Stephen Wolf Bedatum. And we're excited to be back having bigger, bolder, and always real conversations. Straight from the C-suite front lines of marketing, media, and more. We have great friends joining from people you may know, like Wilmer Valderrama and Bobby Burke. And people you'll want to know. So grab a coffee or, hey, even an Aperol Spritz and come join us on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Listen to brand new on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Therapy for Black Girls podcast is your space to explore mental health, personal development, and all of the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden-Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia, and I can't wait for you to join the conversation every Wednesday. Listen to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take good care, and we'll see you there. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robay, and me, Simone Boyce. 
Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. I am so excited about this podcast, The Bright Side. You guys are giving people a chance to shine a light on their lives, shine a light on a little advice that they want to share. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side.